Okay, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Frank Dolce. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Frank, good morning. Hey, DJ. Hey, PK. Hello. You guys are doing well? Oh, man, I've never been better in my life. Why is that? How is that? Uh, Because I'm up. I'm alive. I'm healthy. The sun is shining. Uh, think about it, Frank. Just go to a checklist. I'm talking gotcha. to you. Thought, That's probably right at the top. Well, yes. There you go. <laughs> I thought maybe you shot two under par yesterday or something. I don't know. I just, that, no, that would be pretty good. It would. The eternal quest for under par is uh, still ongoing. <laughs> Do you think you'll ever get there? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I've been at par. I think if I want to go under par, what I need to do is only play nine, not because I'm not capable, but because when I only play nine, it takes the Uh pressure off myself. I can't set a record for my greatest 18 because I'm a mental midget and I need to take the pressure off. So, yes, I've actually shot under par a time of one or two for nine, and I had to go. The one time... uh, Remember, gosh, we're going back 21 years. I was uh, playing Riverbend, and I was at par after nine. And as uh-huh. I'm going to hole 10, I got a call. Uh, Lavelle Edwards is announcing his retirement today at 1 o'clock. You need to be down at the stadium. And so I had to leave. I literally had to leave right then and there. And I was par after nine and go down. And about two weeks later, I said, Coach, I am rarely, I'm sitting in his office, I'm rarely even after nine. Why couldn't you have announced it like at six o'clock at night? Why'd you have to do it at one o'clock? And, he, and of course, yeah. him with that laugh that he had. <laughs> 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 we all know it and loved it. <laughs> yes. Well, golf, golf will do that to you. You know, I, I'm reading a book and I'm just going to pass it. You, pro- you may have already read it or heard about it, but it's about that part of the game because that's, that mental part of the game, it's like all of a sudden you're shooting par and then you talk yourself out of being able to shoot par for the Bing, rest of the bingo, round. Bingo, bingo, bingo. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. I, it's called golf is not a game of perfect. And it talks about just that same, that thing, that mental side of the game. And it's not just ap- applicable to golf. I think probably a good life lesson as well. Anyway, Anyway, maybe we're maybe we're getting off topic. topic no, here. it's bringing us exactly to the topic of the week. The Utes are no longer perfect. They got pushed around, according to a coach, in the second half on defense. He can't even remember yeah. the last time that happened. The offense, yeah, at was Oregon, bad with you two, that, that, two turnovers that right away. A couple years ago, yeah, yeah. Uh, the bad. Well. The offense had the two turnovers right away and finished with uh, seventeen points, which isn't going to win very many football games either. But at the same time, USC and ASU have major coaching issues. So are you over the BYU game and now feeling confident about your Utes in the Pac-12 or you're dragged down by the thoughts of that game thinking, how can they possibly win the South and get to the conference title game? Oh, well, I think it's maybe uh, a, a little different than that. I'm not, I'm not dragged down about the BYU game at all. Uh, I mean, that was just Utah didn't play well. BYU played pretty well. And... Um, now Utah has an opportunity to go figure it out, and they really have to go figure it out. That, that the, the performance was lacking in areas that I think are critical. And, and so I know Coach talked about mental errors, and those are, you know, you could correct those 
mental errors. But the problem I saw is that they got pushed around at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. They, they couldn't get pressure on the quarterback. And they tried, you know, four-man rush a lot. They couldn't get pressure on the quarterback. And, the, you know, if they did, then they'd lost contain. And, and that just, I mean, the foundation of Utah football under Kyle Whittingham started with Coach McBride is right at the defensive line. It's right at the line of scrimmage. And if you're getting pushed around there, boy, you're, you're in trouble. And that, I think that's what we saw. Uh, we don't see it very often, but that's what we saw Saturday. And then on the offensive side, uh, I, I thought that same thing, just got pushed around at the line of scrimmage. I, saw, I swear I saw BYU run the same blitz that Weber State ran. They ran BYU ran it several, several times. It caused Brewer lots of problems, and it didn't look like Utah ever made an adjustment on that which was really odd to, to see. And, and so when you have a, a quarterback who's under pressure and a running game that's inconsistent and, you, you know, you're not sure if you can rely on your wide receivers and, and maybe you're not getting to the balls of the tight end enough, um, you're just going to have problems. I, I, I mean, I just thought they lost the game right at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. I think from the offensive perspective, and that's what your specialty is, obviously, as the former quarterback, you can speak to that. Uh, a couple of things really did bother me. Uh, you know, that, that fourth and uh, two that I think, you know, might have been, who knows, could have made the difference, swayed in Utah's favor if they picked that up because then BYU goes down and, and gets a touchdown uh, on that. So that was a major swing. You can argue when they missed the extra point, but you can argue that was a 13-point swing. Uh, in that situation, you don't know what would have happened if they got the first down, but they were super close, and and plus they had a holding penalty that preceded that play. Yeah. Uh, but the thing that surprised me was the inability to pick up the blitz, and, and I'm wondering now going forward, I mean, all these coaches, San Diego State, they've got capable coaches. Everybody does. There's no question about that, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so they'll see that uh, from the quarterback perspective, I'm really intrigued to see how Brewer does when he has pressure because I have no doubt he'll pick you apart if he has time and his feet are set and he's in rhythm. He's plenty good enough to eat your defense alive if that's the case. But what will he do under pressure? That's the big thing for me that remains to be seen. It's what separates the great quarterbacks from – the guys like me who just talk about it on the radio. I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the guys that can manage pressure, the guys that can hit the curveball in, in, in Major League Baseball, I mean, it, it, it's, the, it's the separating factor. So lots of people, lots of quality athletes can stand in a pocket, no pressure, look around downfield, and eventually find someone open and make a, make a play. Um, but but guys that go on to great things do that same thing with no time, with someone hanging on their back, with pressure in their face, um, with a blocked view downfield. I mean, Peyton Manning could barely throw the ball 15 yards downfield. I'm not sure he ever threw a spiral in his life, but, but he just had the ability under all different circumstances to get the ball where it needed to be. And so that's going to be the thing for, for Brewer. I mean, I thought he had a good first week. He looked very mechanically sound. I think mechanically he was still fine on Saturday, but, but 
Um, and he didn't get much help up front. I mean, I, I'm not going to put it all on his shoulders. He didn't get much help up front, but he's going to have to make plays under pressure, and that will be the, the thing that separates him or doesn't separate him from the, from the rest. I think he's a quality quarterback, um, mechanically very good, and we'll just see if he can, if he can uh, make, that, make that transition. Um, it's the most important part of the football field. Uh, is that quarterback position. So he's going to have to perform extraordinarily well for this Utah team to succeed. This is a team that's just, I mean, they're going to have to score 30 points a game. I, I think that's, that's going to be what they have to do. So there's a lot of adjustments when you change programs. And certainly PK's brought up the fact that Big 12 defenses aren't very good, so that's an adjustment, right? You're going to see better defenses but are the coaches going to help him out by playing double tight ends? Because he's going to have to learn pretty quickly to throw the ball to running backs and tight ends because the receivers drop first down passes and step out of bounds when there's nobody around him. <laughs> hey, well, and, first of and all, seriously, I mean, we laugh, but it's like he can't have any confidence in his receivers in the pocket yeah. when a veteran receiver stepped out of bounds, and I thought when they called it, I thought when I see a replay, is he going to be thrown out of bounds? There was nobody around him, and he stretched yeah. out his left leg to get out of bounds. It was, uh, yeah, you know, I'm losing the words to describe the frustration level, but they've got tight ends who can catch it, so play two tight ends. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't disagree with that. First of all, I would like to make the point that um, isn't BYU a, a Big 12 defense now? Uh, I like I mean, to think that, of them maybe as an NFC West defense. That's the thing. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, that aside, uh, they still they they still have to find a guy on the outside. I mean, Britton Covey. I like Britton Covey a lot, but but um, but I, I don't think he's your. Well, maybe maybe he is. Maybe he is your guy on the outside that you that you throw the ball ten ten times a game. Um, maybe that's just what what it becomes, and they still have to, you know, where, what ha- where's their slot receivers outside of? I mean, I thought we had some talent there, and but we haven't we haven't seen those guys. Uh, I'm not. The truth is, I mean, I, I I think it would be nice for Utah to have a couple of guys on the outside. I don't think it's necessary for the for Utah to have a couple of guys on the outside to be successful as a team. I mean, this is something that we've seen Utah face years, years and years and years. They just, it seems like, you know, maybe they have a guy and maybe they just have a couple guys that are okay, but it never seems like they have a standout guy on the outside, maybe every few years, but they have, Utah has like an abundance at tight end. They have three tight ends who are all very, very capable Two of them, who I think are next level kind of kind of guys, and so I watched Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. I mean, just tear apart NFL defenses. You're, they, those those tight ends create mismatch nightmares. So, absolutely, you know, get those guys the ball fifteen, twenty times a game. Why not? You know, use it until it until they stop it. The, the running backs are, I, I think there's a quality group of running backs. And the thing about these running backs is they seem to catch the ball well out of the backfield. So you utilize that. At one point, I think, in the, in this uh, game against BYU, the tight ends and the running backs were the leading receivers. Maybe it ended up that way. So, so you, have your, you have weapons. And, and, 
And I, I think Utah will figure out the run game. I, I like Makai Bernard. Um, I like, I like both. I, I mean, I like, I like their choice of backs, but I think Bernard kind of separated himself uh, against BYU. So, I like in terms of skill position. I think that Utah has enough talent to be successful to win a lot of games. The the real core issue I have with that team though is right up front. Like two games in now, we've had two performances that I think have been average at best. And so until they get that part cleaned up, I mean it. it seems like it doesn't necessarily matter if you have Brewer or Rising or any of the quad running backs in the backfield or who you have running around on the outside. Um, get it cleaned up up front first, and I think the other pieces fall into place. So I'm talking to Britton Covey. He was made available uh, after Monday. They always have the offensive players, and that guy is just a jam to interview, obviously. Man, he could be a public speaker right now. And I asked him about, you know, you can you compare this, even though it's not a conference game, compare this with that loss in 2019 when we were down in the Coliseum and uh, they threw over the top and some NFL receivers made some jump ball catches and the Utes lost to SC. And Kyle Whittingham said afterward, this doesn't detract from our goals. I don't think anybody's going to go undefeated in the South. No one actually has gone undefeated in the 10-plus uh, years that the conference yeah. has existed. Uh, and he said, well, we, we have a chance to accomplish our goals. And they did. They, they obviously won the next eight games, and they did win the South. And by asking Burton, you see some similarities. Not a conference game, but the emotion of playing BYU obviously is right there with, uh, in many cases, it supersedes conference opponents, but it's even, I think, there playing SC. So can this be a reset? He said, yes, of course he's going to say yes. We understand that. What do you think? Well, I I said yesterday that I thought, um, you know, Utah should be sounding the alarms in the building after that game because this is a I, – I know – I realize it's only two games in and um, – I realize it's just one loss, but one loss turns into two losses pretty, pretty quickly. I, 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 you, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, Coach Featherstone, yeah. Um, yeah, and how great he was, and um, we we had come off an undefeated season at El Camino. Uh, we came into the next season, we lost. It was, I think, it was our second game of the year. We lost, and the uh, Monday following, it was like. Uh, captain's meeting, team. I mean, before we even got on the practice, captain's meeting, team meeting, uh, offensive meeting, defensive meeting, everything broken apart because we had to reset the, what that football team was all about. Like that, our goal was to win championships and to win championships, you have to win games and it's every, you know, you, you go out and you win every game. And so, when you lose, that sets off the alarm. And I feel like that has to happen with Utah a little bit. That's a team that, that um, I, I think maybe it's going too far to say they were unprepared, but they didn't look engaged in parts of that football game. And that's a rivalry game. I mean, that's the one that you're all, where you're always engaged. And so I think this is an excellent opportunity for a football team that seems to have a lot of talent to get refocused, and to use this opportunity as a wake-up call heading into their last non-conference game. Um, I, I mean, it looks like the South is 
a little bit in disarray, but, uh, I, you know, firing a head coach, sometimes that, that turns out to be a rallying cry and there's no more talented football team across the board than USC. And you're going down to play them in the Coliseum. So if you think USC is down and you're going to, you know, you're going to go into that thing the wrong way because that, that team can rise up and, and just beat anybody. They just have too much talent. They have so much talent on the field. So, um, and, and, and BYU, I, this, is, this is not a shot. I mean, I, I keep getting feedback on this. This is not a shot against BYU, but BYU is not the most difficult challenge that Utah is going to face this year. So I, I feel like this is, like you said, PK, this is a chance to reset, a chance for a wake-up call and to get things going back in the right direction. So <laughs> when you say it's not a shot, Frank, you know, immediately people just double down on it is a I, shot. I <laughs> you know, know how know. that works. But I know. the easiest I know. explanation for you fans, as far as the rest of the season, although it might, you know, hurt along the Wasatch front to have to admit it to friends and relatives and coworkers, is that BYU's really good and made Utah look that bad. A few of those mistakes are self-inflicted, but that is BYU is really good. Very few teams or programs are able to go up and blow Boise State off the field on the blue turf, and they did that a year ago. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of games to measure them against because they weren't playing Power 5 teams and teams we're familiar with and that we watch all the time, so it's easy to dismiss it. But their one loss is to a team that's still ranked and just beat a Big 12 school by, I don't know, three or four touchdowns. They dominated them. So maybe BYU's that good, and that's part of Utah's problem. Or you really want to double down on that engage thing, and there's something wrong that's got to be fixed, because if you try to play football without emotion, you're going to get drilled. Well, I, 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 make no mistake. I'm not saying that BYU's a bad football team. It's a, that's a good matchup with, with Utah. Like, physically, athletically, I think that's a very, very good matchup. But that's not a, that's not a national championship team. Down south? No, it's I only mean, September. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're absolutely right, PK. So, did did, uh, did Utah lose to a bad team? No, no. Did Utah lose to a beatable team? Yes. I mean, there's. I, the, the, if you want to take that as a shot, you can take that as a shot. But I, I just, I, I think that's, I think that's fairly objective, um, and. And and by the way, I'll say this about about that football team: Aaron Roderick did a fantastic job of having that team prepared and a game a winning game plan. I liked what he did on the offensive side. I liked the way he used Hall and and his running game and the, the weapons that he had available. Fantastic job, uh, terrific job coaching on the defensive side. The game plan, uh, pressuring the quarterback, keeping people contained. Um, I mean, I, I just thought they, they played that game really well. So, and I think, you know, coach, Whitt- coach Whittingham always says it after a loss. And, and I think it's, I think it's sincere. It's like, Hey, if we lose and it starts with the coach and we got out coach. And I think that's, there's probably some truth in that in, in this football game. Frank, we'll leave it right there and uh, let us know how it goes with Cougar fans over the next 24 hours. I'm, I'm really uh, excited to hear about the feedback you get from what <laughs> okay. you just said. I've, I will. I. I mean, look. I. 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 There's no animosity in that. So if they. If there's feedback, that's okay. I'll take it. I. I, I feel like I'm being fairly uh, objective and fair 
about those about those comments. So I will absolutely stand by it. And I just I do want to, want to once again um, congratulate Kalani. Kalani is um, salt of the earth. He's one of the best guys around. And as much as I hate Utah to lose and to lose that game in particular, good win for Kalani and, and for that football program. Frank Dolce, he's our Ute insider analyst for the Zone Sports Network. You hear him here every week, not only on this show, but on shows all across the station. Thanks, Frank. Thank you, guys. Great to talk to you. Have a great week. You know what's funny is that when Kyle says uh, he doesn't mention BYU, but to say Kalani, I love the guy, support the guy. Well, he takes heat for that, but yet so many Ute fans are saying the exact same thing. Right. Because <laughs> they don't like BYU, but yeah. they do like Kalani. Yeah. But I think so that wh- why if you're going to have fans jumping on Kyle for doing that when so many, everybody's doing it. Everybody is doing it, but, yeah. you know, Kyle's the guy. So. But it's natural. It, he doesn't want to lose to BYU, but you feel good for that guy because you like that guy. Yes. What do you expect be, him to say? It would be hypocritical to say anything else because everybody does like Kalani. For sure. Kalani makes everybody feel important, greets people by name, all that stuff. He's busy. He's a CEO of a football team, but he's got time for everybody. Right. All right. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, is going to join us at 9 o'clock. Stay with us.